Ragnar is believed to have lived during the 9th century, a time of great upheaval and exploration for the Norse people. The sagas, such as the tale of Ragnar's sons, the tale of Ragnar Lothbrok, the Krakumel, and the Gesta Danorum, recounts his exploits as a warrior, a legendary king, and a formidable leader of the Vikings. Ragnar Lothbrok was the son of Sigurd Hring, a legendary Danish and Swedish king. Ragnar's exact date of birth is unknown. It's speculated he was born in the early 9th century. We know nothing of his childhood. According to the Gesta Danorum, Ragnar's story begins as he was travelling to Norway to avenge the death of his grandfather in a war against Fro, the self-proclaimed Swedish king. The stage was set for this monumental battle on a wind-swept plain, where the banners of King Fro's army fluttered ominously in the chill Nordic air. Ragnar Lothbrok, a figure of both fear and admiration, led his battle-hardened Viking warriors onto the field, their eyes ablaze with the promise of glory and the thirst for conquest. As the two armies closed in, the clash of steel upon steel resonated like a thunderous war drum. The battlefield became a scene of chaos and carnage, with warriors locked in mortal combat, their faces contorted in grim determination. The air was thick with the scent of blood, sweat, and the metallic tang of weaponry. As the clash of steel resonated on the battlefield, Lagatha emerged as a formidable force, a skilled Amazon whose ferocity and courage mirrored that of the mightiest warriors. The entire army stood in awe of her prowess, witnessing a woman who wielded her weapon with the finesse of a seasoned warrior and the unyielding spirit of a man. In the aftermath of the battle, Ragnar stood among his victorious forces, and it was Lagatha who had played a pivotal role in securing their triumph. Her prowess on the battlefield left an indelible mark on Ragnar, a man renowned for his own martial prowess. Instantly captivated, he beheld Lagatha not only as a fearsome fighter, but also as a paragon of strength and beauty. In the wake of their shared victory, Ragnar and Lagatha's destinies became intertwined. They embarked on a journey of marital union, resulting in the birth of two daughters, whose names have been regrettably lost to the ravages of time. Alongside these unnamed daughters, a son named Friedleif came into the world, a testament to the period of peace that Ragnar enjoyed for the next three years. According to the Norse sagas, Ragnar then divorced Lagatha as he wanted to marry Thora, the daughter of Herod, the mythical Earl of Gotland. The story unfolds as Herod proclaimed that whoever could kill the vipers scorching the countryside with their poisonous breath could marry his daughter. Ragnar, fueled by an insatiable thirst for adventure and renown, embarked on a perilous journey that would forever alter the course of his destiny. In order to protect himself from the beasts, Ragnar used a dress 
and stuffed it with hair. To add further protection and make the dress less penetrable, he soaked it in water and then let the cold freeze it. Deep within the foreboding forests, Ragnar stumbled upon a dark layer, concealed by the twisted roots of ancient trees. Unbeknownst to him, this sinister sanctuary harboured the nest of vipers, venomous serpents whose fangs dripped with lethal poison. Ragnar would make quick work of the vipers, as his dress protected him from their poisonous bites. Ragnar, the warrior, emerged from the viper's lair with shaggy breeches and a newfound reputation, as Earl Herod then saw his dress and gave him the nickname Lothbrook, which means shaggy breeches. At last, Ragnar could marry Thora, and by her he had two sons. According to the Volsunga saga and the saga of Ragnar Lothbrook, Ragnar also had a third wife called Auslog. The story unfolds within the heart of the rugged Scandinavian wilderness. Ragnar's warriors, weary from their journeys and battles, stumbled upon a river, unaware that fate had something extraordinary in store for them. As the men approached the riverbank, the sounds of water dancing over smooth stones reached their ears, luring them closer to the source of this natural serenity. The air was thick with the scent of wild flowers, and a gentle breeze carried whispers of the surrounding forest. As the warriors advanced, their eyes widened in awe at the sight that greeted them. There amidst the crystal clear waters was Auslog, a vision of otherworldly beauty. Her long glistening hair cascaded over her shoulders like a silken waterfall, and the water clung to her flawless skin like liquid diamonds. In the midst of their daily routines, Ragnar's men found themselves so captivated by this unforeseen spectacle of beauty that they allowed the bread they were baking to burn, a testament to the irresistible allure that had unfolded before them. Intrigued by this distraction, Ragnar inquired about the case, and his men shared the tale of the captivating girl who had seized their attention. Eager to unravel the mystery behind this enchanting maiden, Ragnar summoned her to his presence, but not without testing the depths of her wit. He commanded her to arrive, neither dressed nor undressed, neither fasting nor eating, and neither alone nor in company. To everyone's surprise, she appeared before Ragnar in a net, biting into an onion, accompanied only by a faithful dog. Blinded by her beauty, Ragnar was deeply enamoured, and he proposed marriage. However, Oslog possessed a spirit, as untamed as Ragnar's own, and she declined his proposal until Ragnar had completed his mission in Norway. It was during a visit to the powerful Aistain Belly that Ragnar's marital fate took a twist. Aistain, encouraging Ragnar to marry his own daughter, altered the course of events. Yet, upon Ragnar's return home, Oslog, the mysterious maiden, 
revealed her noble origins. Her true lineage traced back to the legendary hero Sigurd, the Dragonslayer, who felled Fafnir. To prove her heritage, she declared that her son would bear the eye with the image of a serpent, and so she gave birth to Sigurd Snake in the Eye. Ragnar and Oslog's union bore fruit in the form of four sons, Sigurd, Bjorn, Ivar and Vitsuk. However, Ragnar's second wife Thora would die, and he would plunge into a depressive state. Ragnar sought solace in the relentless pursuit of war, a transformation some linked to a warmonger's path. He decreed that every father devote a son of the least worth, or any perceived lazy or weak slave to his service, illustrating his belief in the unparalleled strength of the Danish race. Driven by his insatiable desire for wealth and recognition by the gods, Ragnar set his sights on Britain. Venturing into the treacherous waters, he launched a ruthless attack on King Haim, the ruler of Northumbria, and father to King Ella, leaving in his wake a trail of conquest that echoed the thunderous footsteps of a man destined for myth and legend. He waged war against the Picts of Strathclyde and the Earls of Scotland. The sagas recount the sieges of coastal fortifications and the clashes with the local forces as Ragnar and his Viking warriors sought to assert dominance over the Scottish and Pictish lands. The narratives paint a vivid picture of the harsh and unforgiving nature of medieval warfare. Ragnar would kill the earls of Scotland and Pictland in battle, and made his sons Siward and Radbard the masters of the provinces. The Gestadenorum also recounts, while Ragnar was raiding, killing earls, and putting kings to the sword, some Danes were bent on rebellion, and rallied to the side of the now proclaimed King Harald. When Ragnar heard of this, he came back to Daneland. He would then crush the army of the rebels, and drove Harald, the leader of the army, to Germany as a fugitive. All those captured that betrayed Ragnar were tortured to death. However, as Ragnar was chasing Harald to Saxony, the Swedes chose Saul as their king, thus initiating another civil war. When Ragnar heard of this, he asked his sons Bjorn, Friedleif and Radbard for their help, as his sons were accomplished leaders and warriors in their own right. They then went to Sweden to prepare for war. King Saul met Ragnar with his army and offered him a choice between an all-out battle or a duel. Ragnar chose the duel, and Saul set against him a champion called Starkard, a warrior of approved daring, with his band of seven sons. Ragnar, a king and a warrior, would fight himself. His blood was also cut of the same cloth. Ragnar would choose his three sons, Bjorn, Friedleif and Radbard, to help him with the champion fight. As the duel unfolded, the combatants became a blur of frenzied movement, 
and clashing metal. Blood stained the ground, a gruesome testament to the wounds inflicted by all warriors. Starkard's armour, once an imposing fortress, now bore the scars of Ragnar's relentless assault. Starkard, a behemoth of muscle and malice, was dispatched to Valhalla, as were all of his sons. Ragnar and his own sons present would roar in triumph. This particular fight was accredited to Bjorn as he inflicted a great slaughter on his foes without even receiving a single scratch, giving him the name Ironside. After the champion fight, Ragnar attacked and killed Saul in a blood rage and annihilated his entire army. He then presented his son Bjorn with the Lordship of Sweden. For a little interval, he then rested from wars and had another son called Ubba. Not long after, there was a rebellion in Scotland as they proclaimed a new king. Ragnar instantly set sail there and went to war. As Ragnar set his sights on the territories of Scotland and Pictland, he embarked on a gory odyssey that would leave an indelible mark on the souls of both the invaders and the defenders. The sagas recount vivid tales of brutal sieges, where the clash of steel, the thundering of hooves of warhorses, and the desperate cries of the fallen created a symphony of chaos. The battles that ensued were gruesome spectacles of carnage and desperation. Viking axes cleaved through Celtic shields, and the air resonated with the sickening thud of swords meeting flesh. However, the battles cost him the lives of his sons, Dunwat and Radbard. According to the chilling accounts in the annals of St. Bertin, Ragnar, a relentless force of Norse brutality, commanded a formidable fleet of 120 longships carrying with them thousands of hardened Viking warriors. Their journey up the Seine River was marked by a trail of devastation, as Ragnar's men, hungry for plunder and glory, raided with a ferocity that mirrored the harshness of the Northlands. As Ragnar's raiding party ascended the river, King Charles, determined to safeguard the Royal Abbey of St. Denis, from the impending onslaught, assembled an army. Splitting his forces in two, he stationed one on each side of the river, ready to confront the impending storm of Viking savagery. The clash was inevitable, and the battlefield became a theatre of unspeakable horrors. Ragnar, leading his warriors with a grim determination, attacked and overcame one division of the smaller Frankish army. The aftermath was a spectacle of death. Over a hundred Frankish prisoners were condemned to a gruesome fate. Hanging lifeless, their bodies would serve as a tribute to the Norse god Odin, a chilling ritual that bespoke the ruthless brutality of the Viking invaders. Emboldened by their victory, Ragnar's forces surged into Paris a city unprepared for the impending nightmare. The Franks, unable to mount a formidable defence, found themselves at the mercy of the marauding Vikings. The streets of Paris 
became a nightmarish landscape, echoing with the screams of the helpless and the clash of steel against flesh. The Viking conquest, however, was not without its terms. Unable to muster effective defences, the defeated Franks succumbed to the grim reality of the Viking threat, offering a ransom of 7,000 French pounds. The once proud city of Paris was now a shattered husk of its former glory. Ragnar, unsated by the plunder of Paris, continued his campaign of terror along the coast on his journey home. The Abbey of St. Bertin, a symbol of Christian piety, was not spared by the Viking marauders. The coastal communities were defenceless against the wrath of Ragnar's forces, and they witnessed the brutality of Viking retribution as their sanctuaries were desecrated. According to the Gesta Denorum, setting his predatory gaze once more upon the shores of England, Ragnar and his son Ivar the Boneless embarked on a blood-soaked journey to York. There amidst the echoes of a darkened past, Ragnar chose to confront King Ella of Northumbria, whose father had been ruthlessly slaughtered years before by Ragnar. King Ella's army found itself crushed beneath the persistent tide of Viking savagery. Defeated and broken, the remnants of Ella's forces were forced into a harrowing retreat. Undeterred by the gruesome aftermath, Ragnar, driven by an insatiable ambition, summoned many of his sons to join him in a brutal conquest of Ireland. The relentless onslaught continued as Ragnar, fueled by a thirst for vengeance, slew King Melbrick and laid siege to Dublin. The city, once a bastion of barbarian wealth, crumbled before the continual might of the Viking marauders. The wails of the dying and the clatter of crumbling fortifications echoed through the windswept landscape as Ragnar reveled in the spoils of war. However, as the tides of fortune shifted, King Ella, seething with vengeful ire, sailed to Ireland to exact retribution for the blood spilled by Ragnar's hand. In a cruel twist of fate, Ragnar's predatory nature proved to be his undoing. Falling into a trap set by the vengeful King Ella, Ragnar's fleet was ensnared, and the once mighty conqueror found himself shackled and cast into a foreboding prison. The grim climax of Ragnar's saga unfolded in a pit of serpentine horror. King Ella, driven by a malevolent thirst for vengeance, cast Ragnar into the abyss, surrounded by venomous snakes, hungry for the taste of blood. Yet, in his final moments, Ragnar defied the clutches of despair. In a courageous voice, he recounted his deeds with chilling precision, the kings he had slaughtered, the lands he had conquered. With a haunting declaration, he spoke of the inevitable fate that awaited those who dared defy the never-ending force of retribution, leaving behind a legacy etched in blood. He then cried, 
If the porkers knew the punishment of the boar, surely they would break into the sty, and hasten to loosen him of his affliction. When Ragnar's sons heard of their father's death, they would bring a force to England so powerful that an army of that size had not been seen since the time of the Romans. This force, born from the blood-soaked legacy of their fallen father, descended upon their enemies with a ferocity that mirrored Ragnar's own brutal exploits. In his final moments, Ragnar's parting words forged a haunting legacy in the form of the Krakumal, a 12th century Skaldic poem known as Ragnar's Death Song. The verses woven into this poetic tapestry encapsulated the essence of a warrior's farewell, and in its culmination, Ragnar proclaimed his demise with laughter. A spectral grin adorned his face as he envisioned Odin preparing for a feast, welcoming the fallen hero into the hallowed halls of Valhalla. The enigma surrounding Ragnar's life and exploits sparks debates among scholars and historians. The sheer magnitude of wars and battles attributed to him prompts speculation that Ragnar may have been more than a single individual. The tapestry of his saga, woven with the threads of conquest, betrayal, and relentless warfare, hints at a mythic figure, a symbol of Viking prowess, and an indomitable will that could scarcely be contained within the mortal confines of one man. Harold Fairhair emerges predominantly in the annals of Norse sagas, with a particular focus on his narrative found in the Heimskringla saga. However, for a more comprehensive understanding, this video delves into various sagas that contribute additional dimensions to his story, while avoiding conflicting accounts. Beginning with his lineage, the Heimskringla saga narrates that Harold ascended to the throne at a mere age of 10 years old, succeeding his father, Halfdan the Black, a monarch of the Vestfold. Both Harold and Halfdan hailed from the House of Ingling, a mythical lineage traced back to the divine realms of the gods. The assertion of divine ancestry was a common practice among rulers, serving not only to legitimise their claims to kingship, but also to fortify their authority in the eyes of their subjects. Harold would have been born in around the year 850. Following the demise of his father, Harold swiftly transformed into a robust, imposing man. In the wake of his father's death, Harold's maternal uncle, Guthorn, assumed leadership of his army. However, the political landscape was full of unrest as numerous petty kings and jarls defected from central authority, harbouring aspirations of independence. Among the deserters was King Gandalf and the sons of King Aestain, Hogner and Frode. This power vacuum could only mean one thing, war. King Gandalf, having recently brokered peace with Harold's father, Halfdan, sensed an opportune moment for aggression upon his demise, 
perceiving the Vestfold Kingdom as vulnerable and ripe for conquest. The catalyst for conflict emerged with Gandalf's son Hake, leading 300 men to march on the Vestfold. Harold would hastily rally an army, assuming command despite his youth. By his side was his uncle Guthorm, and Harold would have been in his teens when confronted by Hake's forces. This would culminate in a ferocious battle. Harold's metal shone brightly as victory was secured. Hake and the majority of his forces met a grisly end on the battlefield. However, as Harold returned to his realm, an unexpected nemesis emerged. King Gandalf, undeterred by his son's brutal defeat, had arrived in the Vestfold with his own formidable army. Undeterred and resolute, Harold plunged into yet another brutal confrontation. The clash was savage, with a considerable number of King Gandalf's forces succumbing to the merciless sweep of the sword. In the aftermath, King Gandalf, routed and humbled, fled to his kingdom, leaving Harold to assert his prowess as a relentless warrior. Harold, fueled by an insatiable thirst for power, commenced the gruesome groundwork for his unification of Norway by vanquishing five kings in a series of campaigns that would stain the annals of history. In a grisly display of ruthlessness, Harold, alongside his bloodthirsty uncle Guthorm, set ablaze the dwellings of King Aestain's sons, Hogner and Frode. Although the sons narrowly escaped the fiery inferno, their reprieve was short-lived, as Harold's men were waiting outside and quickly cut the princes down. Harold would also ambush the two upland kings at midnight in the Cloak of Darkness. The gory aftermath bore witness to the brutal efficiency in which Harold was killing his opposition. He left no room for mercy. Harold would soon wage war against an old adversary, King Gandalf. The battlefield became a gruesome theatre, with the clash of weapons and the agonised wails of the dying echoing through the night. In the culmination of this blood-soaked saga, King Gandalf, a once formidable ruler, succumbed to Harold's onslaught. The spoils of war, including Gandalf's entire kingdom, became the grim testament to Harold's insatiable appetite for conquest. Yet, as the scent of victory lingered, a haunting desire clawed at Harold's psyche, a yearning for the entirety of Norway. This unquenchable thirst was embodied in a woman named Gida, a radiant but defiant daughter of King Eric of Hordeland. Harold, undeterred by Gida's spirited nature, dispatched messengers with the audacious proposition of marriage. Gida, however, proved to be a formidable force herself, rejecting the advances with scorn. Her words, dripping with disdain, echoed through the air, challenging Harold's aspirations. Will no king here 
make the whole country subject to him in the same way as Gorm the Old did in Denmark. The messengers, perturbed by Gida's audacity, left her residence, dismissing her demands as arrogance. Yet, as they turned to depart, Gida's parting words pierced the air with a chilling resolve. Now tell King Harold these words, I will only agree to be his lawful wife upon the condition that he shall first, for my sake, subject himself to the whole of Norway. The stage was set for a pursuit of power, where the echoes of war and the quest for dominance would completely change the land. When King Harold's messengers returned, they told him what Gida had said. Harold answered, This girl has not spoken or done so much amiss that she should be punished, but rather, she should be thanked for her words. She has reminded me of something which I did not think of before, and now I make a solemn vow, that never shall I cut or comb my hair until I have subdued the whole of Norway, or if not, have died in the attempt. King Harold would then orchestrate a gruesome expedition to the uplands, leaving a wake of torment and despair. He commanded that everything be put to the flames. As the inferno of destruction raged on, the anguished cries of common folk filled the air, begging for mercy amid the chaos. Their pleas were met with a sinister bargain. Peace was only offered in exchange for servitude. Their fates were now entwined with the blood-soaked ambitions of remorseless conqueror. The path of terror carved by Harold encountered no resistance until the ominous battleground of Orkandau emerged. There, a legion had assembled. King Greiting would be leading his army. The ensuing clash transcended mere mortal brutality. Harold would emerge victorious, and King Greiting was taken as a prisoner of war. In the gruesome aftermath, Greiting, broken and defeated, swore fealty to Harold, and the once defiant men of Orkandau now knelt as subjects. Yet, the feral hunger for power only intensified as more kings rallied against Harold. The ensuing battle was a symphony of agony, where kings fell and the vanquished fled, their dominions reduced to ashes. Harold was now responsible for the death of eight kings, reflecting his unstoppable march towards the throne of Norway. To the desolate north, in Naumudal, two brother kings reigned as sovereigns. News of Harold's impending onslaught would shroud these two kings in dread. Facing an abyss of torment, one of them chose the cold embrace of death, buried beneath a collapsing mound by his own men. The other, in a desperate plea for mercy, approached King Harold. A symbolic ritual unfolded, a sword fastened to the king's belt, and a shield would be around his neck. This would mark the end of a regal reign, and the birth of a brutal servitude. 
while defiance led only to the grisly demise by the sword. In the forge of winter, Harold commissioned the construction of monstrous longships, vessels destined to glide through the seas and unleash havoc upon many shores. The shipyard would birth many colossal dragon ships, their splendour adorned in the trimmings of grim opulence. In a grotesque display of power, Harold assembled his chosen warriors. These were not mere men, they were the embodiment of brutality, berserkers whose primal ferocity sent shivers through the marrow of even the hardiest souls. Harold would soon march to the land of Moor, ruled by King Huntioth, a ruler whose fate had already been etched in the annals of history. As the clash of steel met the screams of the dying, a great battle ensued. The very earth trembled beneath the weight of the savage combat, and the air resonated with the agonised cries of warriors. Harold, the grim reaper of kings, emerged victorious. The battlefield, a shower of blood, where the fallen lay in grotesque repose. King Huntioth, once a sovereign, now lay dead, his lifeblood mingling with the melting snow. Yet, amidst the carnage, his son Solvcloth eluded the grasp of death, a lone survivor in a sea of mutilated corpses. Harold's reputation as a regicidal warlord spread like a venomous stain across the land. The whispers of his insatiable appetite for conquest grew louder, and the shadow of his influence loomed even larger. The following spring, King Harold raised a monstrous army in Trondheim. Solvcloth, the lone survivor from the clash at Solskel, and his vengeful companion, King Arnvid, had spent the winter staining the snow red, their revenge echoing in the anguished cries of Harold's fallen men. Seeking allies in the Fjord district, Solvcloth, draped in the shadows of vengeance, approached King Aldbjorn. With a voice dripping with the essence of retribution, he declared, It is now clear that we all have but one course, to rise all as one man against King Harold, for we have strength enough, and fate must decide the victory. To willingly become his servants is no condition for us, who are not less noble than Harold. My father thought it better to fall in battle for his kingdom than to willingly go into Harold's service. King Aldbjorn, swayed by the intoxicating allure of rebellion, pledged his allegiance to solve Cloth's cause. Together, they amassed a formidable army, a coalition born from the shadows of hatred and the yearning for freedom. News of Harold's impending onslaught reached their ears, and the two sides prepared for a naval confrontation. Ships, creaking under the weight of impending doom, were lashed together stem to stem. King Harold's vessel, a behemoth of death, stood poised against King Arnvid's ship. 
the battleground destined to be the merciless waters. King Harold, a tempest of fury, unleashed carnage upon his adversaries. With a manic rage, he boarded King Arnvid's ship, leaving a trail of death in his wake. Arnvid, meeting his gruesome end, succumbed to the brutality of Harold's wrath. Solvcloth once again evaded the clutches of death, retreating to live and fight another day. Many of Harold's earls, however, met their demise in the ferocity of this naval inferno, and Solv would rise from the ashes to become a notorious sea king. But Harold's insatiable hunger for dominion pressed on. After the battle, he set his sights on Maul, where King Vemond, the brother of King Ordbjorn, stood as an obstacle. In a diabolical act of brutality, Harold's Earl Ragnvald surrounded Vemond in a guesthouse and set it ablaze. The crackling flames devoured Vemond and ninety men, their agonizing screams echoing into the abyss. Harold's ruthless grip tightened, and his brutal reputation as a conqueror stained with blood grew even darker. In clandestine meetings with Earl Ragnvald and the fearsome Ulfhednar warriors, Harold plotted his next conquest. These wolf-skinned warriors were his shock troops, his ruthless edge in battle. The Harafsmau whispered of their prowess. They are called wolfskins, who bear bloody shields in combat. They redden spears when they come to war. There at Harold's court, they are seated together. There I believe he the sovereign wise in understanding, may entrust himself to men of courage alone, those who hew into a shield. With these warrior shamans by his side, the rivers of Norway would flow red, and the land would quiver in dread. In the spring, as the ice groaned and cracked, the Gautlanders, in a desperate bid to thwart King Harold's impending doom, drove stakes into the gaunt river. These treacherous stakes, like skeletal fingers clawing at the river's heart, sought to ensnare Harold's ships, a futile defence against a ruthless warlord. Unfazed, Harold navigated his vessels through the labyrinth of stakes. Harold, fueled by an insatiable thirst for destruction, laid waste to the country. Flames licked the heavens, devouring homes and dreams alike. The cries of the vanquished became a symphony to Harold's ears. In retaliation, the Gautlanders spurred by desperation, descended with a colossal army. This would culminate in the Battle of Hasfajord, where many kings from many different lands came together with a great body of men. The battlefield echoed with a gruesome ballet of ships running into each other, a chaotic dance of death. King Eric was the first to fall, succumbed to the onslaught. Thor Hackland, a berserk of great renown, unleashed his fury upon Harold's vessel, a desperate bid that ended in his own demise, as Harold's Ulfhednar warriors 
cut down the howling berserker. The battle reached its grisly end as King Kajopve, in the face of inevitable defeat, fled, leaving behind a landscape marred by the blood of fallen kings, berserkers and earls. Harald, his vow fulfilled, encountered no resistance in Norway, for those who dared oppose him now lay lifeless or bowed in submission. The land, united, quivered in dread as Harald, the blood-soaked architect of his own destiny, stood unchallenged as the king of a united land. King Harald ascended to the throne of Norway, his dominion stretching across the land like an indomitable shadow. In his youth, he was driven by the haunting words of the proud maiden named Gida. Together, they birthed a dynasty. Harald fathered an array of offspring, the sagas telling us that he had anywhere from 11 to 20 sons, each a testament to his regal prowess. Eric Bloodaxe was his firstborn and heir. As the sole sovereign of Norway, the time for transformation had arrived, submerging into the depths of a bath. Now that Harald was the king of Norway, the time had come. King Harald got into a bath, and Earl Ragnvald would now cut his hair, which had been uncut and uncombed for ten years. Once his hair was cut, all agreed that he had the most beautiful head of hair in the land. Ragnvald, the witness to this metamorphosis, bestowed upon him a name befitting his newfound splendour, Harald Fairhair. Harald's rule, an enduring symphony of strength, echoed through the annals of history. His reign endured until the twilight of his eighth decade, an age marked by wisdom and legacy. The torch of leadership passed to his son Eric Bloodaxe. This heralded a new era, a seamless transition from one warrior king to another. The saga of Harold Fairhair, etched in the ink of battle and sacrifice, told of a warmongering conqueror. Over the span of a decade, he bathed the Norwegian landscape in the blood of kings, earls and jarls. A veteran of a hundred battles, Harald, an architect of brutality, seized victory with ruthless efficiency. His methods were unapologetically savage, be it on the battlefield or within the walls of a blazing hall. A champion of martial prowess wove his destiny amidst the clash of steel, never tasting the bitterness of defeat. Harald's ascension was an anthem sung in blood, a saga scripted in battles waged and foes vanquished, as was the life of Viking kings and rulers. I hope you all enjoyed the video. If you did, be sure to like, subscribe and share, and I'll see you all soon for another History Profile.